0: Please remain standing. There's a relatively long reading today. The collection we're moving to, I decided to not do a a review of the previous collection in Proverbs. I'll explain why later when you're not standing. And so right now, please uh, take a look at the 30 sayings of the wise. Hopefully you have the handout. Proverbs 22, verse 17, all the way through Proverbs 24. This is a collection, this is collection three, so we'll read it out loud. Incline your ear, and hear the words of the wise, and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips, so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have instructed you today, even you, have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge? That I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth, that you may answer words of truth to those who sin to you. Do not rob the poor because he is poor, nor oppress the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should you take away your bed from under you? Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings, He will not stand before unknown men. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies for they are deceptive food. Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your understanding, cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, they fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. The morsel you've eaten, you will vomit it, you will vomit up, and waste your pleasant words. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty, he will plead their cause against you. Apply your heart to instruction, and your ears to words of knowledge. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod." and deliver his soul from hell. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine-bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart, and let your eyes observe my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit, and a seductress is a narrow well. She also lies in wait, as for a victim, and increases the unfaithful among men. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup. When it swirls around smoothly, at the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast saying, They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? that I may seek another drink. Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For For their heart devises violence, and their lips talk of troublemaking. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches, A wise man is strong, yes, a man of knowledge increases strength, for by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Wisdom is too lofty for a fool, he does not open his mouth in the gate. He who plots to do evil will be called a schemer. The devising of foolishness is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to men. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Deliver those who are drawn toward death, and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? My son, eat honey because it is good and the honeycomb, which is sweet to your taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul if you have found it. There is a prospect, and your hope will not be cut off. Do not lie in wait, O wicked men, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked, for there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. My son, fear the Lord and the King. Do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly. And who knows the ruin those two can bring. You may be seated. Logan, is there an extra copy? Is there an extra copy of the one that was handed out to the congregation? If you, no, I'm good, I'm good. Thank you. You can, you can give it. I want to make sure you have it. No, thank you. If, you, if there are no extras, that's fine. Um, okay. Alright, so the 30 sayings of the wise, this is the third collection. Remember the first collection is to the youth, it's chapters 1 through 9, it is simpler to follow and you'll find several of the sayings that we just read in that. The second collection, chapter 10 through the middle of 22, the 375 Proverbs of Solomon, it refers to young men, to adults, and we see that same sort of audience here in collection 3. 3. Collection 3 is capturing and encapsulating into a more distillate form the lessons that have been gone over. So there's greater explanation before, there's longer explanation. This is capturing down some of the complexity that we just went through. And also, you look at the kind of narrative form that the first nine chapters are in, where there's, it's easier to follow, but it's drawn out. What's happening is we're starting to have heads of doctrine. We're starting to have the sayings get drawn down. And so you think about the Ten Commandments, for example. The Ten Commandments are ten heads of doctrine, and they represent an enormous amount of doctrine inside of them. Think about tulip, the solas, the Lord's Prayer. These are all heads of doctrine type things. Two of them are the church systematizing, but two of them, the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments, these are in the scriptures themselves. And we're told in the book of Ecclesiastes that it is the work of scholars to organize sayings, to put together sayings. And what we have in Proverbs is, is that occurring. We, we get to see the easier-to-follow form of the first nine chapters, a little bit harder to follow, but still more explained, middle section of the 375 Proverbs of Solomon. And here we have this collection of the 30 sayings of the wise. Now, it's pretty easy to see. When you look at the New King James, these are sayings of the wise. It's you know, verse 17, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. You're okay, fine, the words of the wise. That's the heading that changes out where we're talking. But where does the 30 come from? Well, verse 20, have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge? The word excellent there. Is actually the Hebrew word for 30. It's translated to excellent. The reason it's translated to excellent is because 30 is used frequently to represent complete and perfect teaching. So 30 is used in that way. But the, the word there is 30. So these are the 30 sayings of the wise or symbolically, these are the excellent and complete sayings of the wise. So think about this for a second. We have 30 sayings here that are meant to capture for us the heart of the sayings of the wise. You want to distill down some of the major features that an adult man needs to take away from the book of Proverbs? Perhaps you should give special attention to this section. If only someone had printed all of them out for you and put a heading on them that identified the particular sayings, perhaps then you could give special attention to them. You're welcome. Now, the organization of them, what I'm asking you to do, we're going through this, we'll be talking about it, I would like to encourage you to take some of your private worship or household worship this week and to read through this. Your version, if I recall correctly, I've deleted all of my heading names except for saying one, saying two, that sort of thing, and I think I have some subsections uh, with A and B, so those are not particularly descriptive I would encourage you to try to think about if you had to summarize those sayings, if you had to summarize the sections, what would you title them? How would you organize them for yourself as what is this saying basically about? What is this section, a collection of sayings about? Now, the the first saying is pretty easy. It's going to be a prologue or introduction. We've seen that over and over again in the chunks of texts. But for the other ones, what are these things about? So, let's consider the prologue, verse 17. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. Okay, this is a father, again, talking to a son. So the idea of one in authority, one with greater age, one with greater gifting, speaking to one who's under authority, who is younger, who has lesser gifting. And so the plea is to hear. How many times have we heard that in Proverbs already? Listen to the teaching of the wise. Listen to the teaching of your father. Listen to the teaching of the one who cares for your well-being, who has legitimate authority over you. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise, and apply your heart to my knowledge. So, cause your ear to be in a position to hear it, and then give your attention. We can we can hear words and not understand them. We can see things and not be paying attention. anybody ever seen that video where there's an, there's a scientific experiment that was run? Scientific experiments seem like an Fabulous way to waste money, by the way. So many of them are just extravagant. But this one seems like it was pretty cheap. There was a video taken of people who were passing a basketball and shooting the basketball. Okay, Relatively low cost so far. Now, the people who were asked to watch this video, they were asked to count how many times the basketball got passed. Okay, So they give a focus to that, they're trying to count it. People gave various answers relatively close to the number of times it was actually passed. But at the end of it, Another question was, was given to these people who had been watching. When did the man in the gorilla suit run through the screen? And most of the people who watched it said that didn't happen. When they rewatched the video, a man in a gorilla suit ran through the screen. This video that they were intensely watching, that they were counting the passing of the basketball in it, they did not notice a man running through. In a gorilla suit. And in fact, he doesn't even run through. He kind of stays on screen for a while. Dances around a little bit. So this experiment is a great display of the fact that human beings can watch a thing and not see. Can listen to a thing and not hear. And what we need to realize is that if we want to benefit from teaching, we have to not only hear it with the ears, but we need to apply our hearts to it. And so that's the plea here. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. Apply your heart to my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips. So here now, we're reminded of the fact that wisdom, it's not only something that's true, but it also brings pleasantness brings pleasantness because there's an enjoyment to thinking about truth itself there's an elegance to knowledge there's a there's a beauty to truth itself and there's also the reality that truth is reality and so as you possess reality in your mind as you possess truth you also learn how to control reality the law of god is an instruction manual for dominion. The law of God is an instruction manual for dominion. It tells you how to get what's good out of what's around you and yourself. It tells you how reality functions. And so there's a pleasantness to wisdom itself and a pleasantness to not constantly being frustrated. Most people go around being frustrated all the time. There's just this constant sense of frustration because even when they get what they want, it doesn't deliver what they want. You know the hedonic paradox? You either can't get the pleasure you want and so you're frustrated, or you can get the pleasure you want And you quickly become bored and therefore frustrated because now where do you go? And so, this, the law of God, the sayings of the wise, wisdom, truth itself, these things, this provides for us pleasantness, a way of having joy. For it's a pleasant thing if you keep the words of the wise within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips. Now, how do those things relate? Well, if you have them in your heart, if you have the sayings of the wise in your heart, then you can speak them, right? You know, you meet anybody ever who has nothing useful to say? Nothing nothing valuable stirred up in the heart? So there's there's nothing to draw. You can draw and draw and draw, and you're still going to get an empty bucket from the well. But if somebody has wisdom, you can draw wisdom out of them. And... If you have wisdom to dispense to others, you can give to them refreshing water of life. And so, this idea that the words of the wise should be fixed upon your lips. You should speak them so that when others hear you speak, they hear wisdom, they benefit from it, it helps your reputation, and also it reminds you, when you teach, you teach yourself. And so this idea that the words of the wise should be on your lips, that shapes, you, that shapes you, it also shapes the people around you, and it shapes the world around you. Not in some mystical, the secret kind of way. It shapes you because it sets a pattern, a habit of thought. It shapes other people by encouraging them to have a habit or pattern of thought and to discuss it with you. And it shapes the world around you because as people think, so are they. And what you are comes out your fingertips. You do what you believe. It's a greater and lesser degree of consistency. And so in the doing of what you believe, it shapes the world around you. And as you speak these words to other people and it shapes their minds, it does that too. There's a corporate and a cumulative way in which the truth, the wisdom of the wise, builds Civilizations are made of such things. Fix them to your lips so you remind yourself and so you would spread this pleasure to others. We don't speak wise words sometimes because we worry that other people will find it displeasing and will be unhappy with us. But these words are pleasant words. These words will yield joy in the other person if they believe them. And so, this is the way of yielding long-lasting joy in ourselves and others. (coughs) Verse 19, So that your trust may be in the Lord, I have instructed you today, even you. Notice the father here is not just saying, well, God's sovereign over salvation, so I'm just not going to do anything about it, and there we go. Instead, it's because this father knows that God is sovereign, and God says that when a child is instructed in his youth, When he's old, he won't depart from it. Therefore, he's using the means God has appointed and trusting God so that this child's trust, this son's trust, this young man's trust may be in the Lord. Thus, I have instructed you today, even you. That even you is not a, I've instructed you. Yeah, even you. It's, It's a, I've instructed you today. Yes, you in particular. Because I have a special responsibility and care for you. Verse 20, have I not written to you 30 things of counsels and knowledge? That I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth. That you may answer words of truth to those who sin to you. Now, this putting together of the excellent things of the 30 sayings of counsels and knowledge is an effort to organize and condense. This is a evidence of the care for the student. Son, I gave you the long form that was simpler. Son, I gave you the 375 Proverbs. Son... I gave you the 30 sayings, distilling it down. I organized those. And there's internal organization inside of that. What do I need to do to show you that I care about your instruction? Have I not written to you 30 things of counsels and knowledge? And what's the reason? What's the the purpose that the Father has for doing that? That I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth. I am trying to lay out with clarity and organization and conciseness the words of truth. So that you will see the certainty of the words of truth. Because if you get them, if you understand them, if you analyze them, you will find that the denial of them is absurd. Now, if you have certainty about these words of truth, then when you give an answer, your answer will be words of truth. And who do you need to speak to except for those who send to you? If somebody asks you for an answer, they're sending to you, deliver to us the truth that you have for this. They might do it mockingly, Oh yeah, do you have an answer for this? And when you do, you mock them right back. If they're not doing it mockingly, oh how beautiful are the feet of those who carry good news. But also, what if it's somebody who's sending you to give a report back? One of the things that the words of truth does is it makes work ethic. Remember earlier on the proverb that talked about the the cursed condition of the one who sends a fool as a messenger, or perhaps the one who sends somebody who's lazy to do a task. And and so you have this sort of, the answer back is so frustrating, so fruitless, the, the excuses are absurd, all of that stuff. You instead, son, when you receive this instruction, you will answer with words of truth to those who send to you. There'll be a message back. So working with you will be pleasant. Talking with you will be pleasant, and the words that you have to give will be pleasant. You will be a refreshment to the souls of all of those around you. Strife will diminish, and toil will diminish. The words of wisdom will do that. These words are excellent words, and there's 30 of them. So we move into the next chunk. That's the prologue. That's the sales pitch. This dad's a pretty good salesman. He a pretty good job of laying out why you should listen. And that's the first saying. The first saying is the saying about why you should care about the sayings. That's the prologue. And it makes a lot of sense because how many times have you heard that in the earlier parts of Proverbs? Listen to the words of wisdom. Listen to the words of wisdom. Listen to the instruction of your father. It's one of the words of wisdom. And that's the word that allows it so that when you remember that one and you give that one to your children... They remember that, and when they teach that word to their children, it makes it so it, the Reformation doesn't stop at three generations. You know what's a historical problem? Three generations? There's a Reformation. Everybody remembers things were bad. Things were real bad. Reformation, thank God. Saved out of that. That nonsense was awful. Their kids, they remember. They're like, I saw the look in my parents' eyes. Looked like not Reformation was Terrible. Don't want to have to go through that myself. But the things that the reforming generation repeated start to feel like things that everybody knows. The second generation, they know, they know, but they don't say them as many times to the third generation. And the third generation is used to the peace and prosperity of reformation. They can hardly remember their grandparents and their dentures. But they have the fruits and the benefits of reformation. And they begin to apostatize, thinking that prosperity is their birthright. And their children, the fourth generation, begin to think that the reformers are just a myth about a depressive category of something or other and they weren't that great and look at their flaws. What did they do that was useful again? And the generation after them didn't do much. And the generation after them, they're a bunch of fuddy duddies. You get to that fourth generation and the Reformation's dead. And they start to tear down the things that came from Reformation. That's the danger. The saying that stops the declension. The saying that prevents the apostasy. The saying that allows reformation to go past the third generation. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. And apply your heart to my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips. So that your trust may be in the Lord. I have instructed you today. Even you. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge that I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth, that you may answer the words of truth to those who sin to you? And that saying is the one that provides the motive for the rest of them the idea that wisdom itself is the good, that the knowledge of God is eternal life that you need to get wisdom and you need to pay it heed and it will be pleasant to your soul. That message must be carried across generations and repeated in every generation. Comments, questions, objections from the voting members those with speaking rights? Mr. Nye? Thank you for your teaching, Maurice. So I wanted to ask regarding... 30 sayings, um, how do, do we, how would we categorize that in terms of like, do we know that there are actually 30 sayings and that these are divided up in ways that, that we know from scripture or is this something that's kind of like imposed externally from like us analyzing? Them? Yeah, maybe you could evaluate that if you start to examine them. I gave you what I am claiming are the sayings. And it would be interesting if, upon analysis, you thought that that was imposed. And so, um, giving you a heads up of how I uh, think they're divided. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, we'll be talking about that as we go through. But I would encourage you to begin to look through that and see if you can find what you think is internal organization. Okay. But, but just... Okay, excellent. So so the, the answer that you're saying is that this isn't, like you don't have an explicit statement that there are 30 sayings from the wise. There, There is an explicit statement. The word, chapter uh, chapter 22, verse 20, have I not written to you excellent things? The word excellent is 30. It's, oh. it's the word 30 in Hebrew. Okay, I'm sorry if I missed that. No problem. All right. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us as we consider this text, as we engage with it in our own worship, that you we ask that you would give us clarity of thought, that you would cause us to be illuminated, that you would help us to see how this is organized, and so that we can properly identify the thirty sayings. Father, I ask that you would give to us wisdom, that you would help us to care about the words of the wise and to carry them across generations. We would store them up in our hearts that they would be words that we speak to each other. They would be frequently upon our lips. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.